Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you will find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Ben. Hi, uh, my name is Ben, Recovering Compulsive Overeater, uh, Belina. Uh, just to qualify, I've been in a program, uh, it was wild, when you asked me, um, when I came in, I had to do the math, I'm like, wow, I've been here since 1994, 16 years, my top weight was 400 pounds, and I always love that reaction, whoa, you were fat, uh, and, um, and now I'm uh, five years, four months, 17 days, with a 220-pound weight loss. So um, <laughs> that's what I love about these meetings. We applaud heads. No one ever heckles going, boo, boo, boo. Um, I brought my before and after pictures. Um, I actually have a copy of this on my refrigerator, so whenever I feel that disease coming on, even though I have all these years in program and, you know, do the math, I've got five years plus now, so obviously I've been back and forward, back and forward, um, I still have to remind myself uh, what it was like. So this is my before and after. Yeah. So there you go. Um, what brought me into this program? Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> what brought me into this program was um, I was at the bottom of the barrel, you know, 400 pounds. A uh, very angry person, very bitter. I always had this... Uh, thing on the outside of being jolly and happy and funny, but on the inside I was miserable. I mean, I, the worst thing I can ever do for myself is get a haircut, because that means I'd have to stare in the mirror, you know, with that hairstylist, and I had to look at my imperfections. I had to look at my, you know, I had like a triple neck. My my neck was like a 19-inch. It's now 16-inch. My waist was 50. It's now 34. I'm actually the same waist I was now back in high school which is really cool. And um, from the disease, um, all these other signs from my higher power is giving me to get this program going. Um, I, had, I got in this disease uh, type 2 diabetes, and I lost the weight. No longer type 2 anymore. don't have to take medicines or anything. I was getting to that point where I was getting the spots on my skin, my eyes were burning, all that stuff. I had, you know, My doctor said I had a very slim chance of losing my vision, and still that wasn't enough for me. Um, it's like the big book talks about. I was one of those people, like so many of us are, that my back was against a wall where the wall was on fire, and I didn't know to get off that wall. That made sense. Um, I came in the program, and I got the food plan down pat. You know, I got the meetings. It was the higher power stuff that I had a problem with, the God stuff I had a problem with. So I remember my sponsors, sponsors, because there have been many on this road of... Um, happy road to destiny here, that um, said, just act as if. And that's what I always do, just act as if. And they said, make, your, um, make the rooms your higher power, you know, or adopt a higher power, or, you know, a wanted list for a higher power. What are you looking for? And then I remember one day I was in, a, I was in one of the meetings, and I was just happy. I was full of something other than food. Couldn't explain it. It was a real spiritual thing. And I was just really, really happy. And I thought, whoa, you know, because I guess for being a compulsive overeater part, I was always had that 
hole inside of me that I was always looking to pack and, and um, you know, putty up. But I did that with food. And all of a sudden I was happy inside. And I was like, wow, is this what it feels like to have a higher power inside you? And that felt really great. And I love that feeling. I've never been a very religious person, but I got my spirituality in these rooms. You know, I'm far from, you know, living the, the right path, but, I, you know, I try to uh, do the best I can on a daily basis and make my amends when I need to and, you know, and really work on not being the people pleaser, you know, not making other people my higher power, not making other situations my higher power. Whatever it took, I mean, I, I, I was like a compulsive overeater, um, bulimic and a drama queen, you know. <laughs> You know, find any excuse why to eat. And I remember my biggest high was going to all these drive-thrus, getting something from this place, getting something from that place, just to fill up my car seat where you wouldn't even know there was a car seat, but you can smell every fast food place in my car. Just, it was a rush. It was a high. It was like going out and buying drugs. You know, you can go through a drive-thru and get it, and they say thank you, you know. <laughs> and they supersize it for you and all that size. And uh, brought it home. Put it on my coffee table. My whole life used to be the couch, the coffee table, the TV. And I'd sit right under the coffee table, and the whole coffee table would be gone because there would be all this food on it. And I'd get, you'd hear people say these eating comas, you know, where you eat and eat, and next thing you know, you just pass out. You wake up with mustard and ketchup all over you, and I had this big barrel of a stomach. And um, i got to tell you, um, everything I had to go through to get to who I am today was it worth it? I'll get back to you on that. Because <laughs> I went through a lot, I'm, like all of us did. So I lost the weight um, and um, gained it back, lost it, gained it back. But I was never kicked out of these rooms. I was never charged a fee, you know. And I have nothing against these um, any places that do surgeries or or do, um, you know, diet clubs. I have nothing bad to say about any of them because they all work. Just like this program, it works if you work it. If you stop working it, it won't work. And that's the simple truth. So everything out there works. It really does. Only if you work it. And I just happen to do this one a little better than everything else. So that's what's helping me stay here. Um, met my wife in this room. You know, it's incredible. I mean, to hear two OA people have an argument is the most hilarious thing and the, and the saddest and slash funniest thing in the world because it's like, oh, I'll call your sponsor. No, I'll call your sponsor. <laughs> oh, what, you're on day one. No, you're on day No, you are. I put sugar in your coffee. So you're on day one. Sarah. Um, but we make our amends to each other. We're very conscious of each other's feelings. And it's really cool that we're both in this program because when we need to get to a meeting, the other person will say to the other person, you know what, go to a meeting, I'll cover the kids. And we have babies. We have little OA babies, you know. So, you know, instead of a rattle in their mouth or something, they have, a, you know, food. But um, it's great. I mean, I met my best friend in this program. How lucky am I? You know, when I couldn't find anything to love about myself, someone found something to love about me and, and back at her. And uh, we've been married now for nine years. And we have two beautiful babies, um, seven and four. Tomorrow's Father's Day. How great is that? You know. Um, but what happened to me a year ago? Well, you know, like I told you guys, you know, Gazintai, for those of you listening on this podcast, that someone sneezed. Um, what happened to me? 
um, in this program was when I gained and lost and gained and lost the weight, it does something to you on the inside you don't know. Now, sure, we see on the outside what happens to us, but we never really know what happens on the inside. We're not doctors. You know, we might get the high blood pressure, the hands start shaking, and stuff like that, and, you know, the swollen parts of your body. Um, but what happened to me, um, I almost, well, yeah, I almost died, literally. Um, for those of you who might remember John Ritter, who died of um, aortic dissection, I had that. And there's no coming symptoms. It's when you get it, you get it. And then if, if you're lucky, you have an hour to live. Because what happened with me from going from 180 all the way up to 400, up and down, up and down, um, the aorta, there's, there's two parts, uh, A and B, upper and lower part, and it goes all the way down to your leg. And I guess the, the best visual is, like, imagine a, a, a rubber hose, you know, with filled with water, and it keeps expanding and, and decreasing and decreasing. And after a while, that thing is going to get kind of tired and kind of rip. So mine ripped all the way down all the way down, and um, I had an 18% chance of living. And I can actually tell you that, was it worth that meal? Was it worth those items of slices, that extra dessert? No. There's nothing more incredibly painful, not to die, but dying. Because what happened was this. I was, um, my, my little girl had a nightmare, and she crawled in bed with us. And, of course, when one baby crawls in bed with us, the other parent has to go to the other one so, the other, so they don't think you're playing favorites. You know, they got issues. They should have kids anonymous so parents, I don't know. But, no, they do. Okay. Um, so what happened, she was sleeping with me. I was holding her. And then in the middle of the night, all of a sudden my chest started hurting real bad and it felt like someone was, it felt like a 5,000 pounds were on my chest and it was pressing and pressing in. And I, and I go to my wife, and, and I just yelled out her name. And right from that, how, how it sounded, she just leapt out of bed. I don't know how she did it. She literally went from waking, opening her eyes, and then she was on her feet. She bypassed that whole middle thing of getting out of bed. And it was like this radiating feeling going up my neck to my jawline where I couldn't even move my jaw. It was really tight. couldn't talk. I thought I was having a heart attack. But the uh, paramedics and doctors said that if I had a heart attack, it would have been a lot simpler and easier than what I had. So um, the rip wasn't just a little rip. It ripped all the way down. And uh, they rushed me to the hospital to diagnose me to make sure I had what I had. Then they had to rush me to uh, um, the hospital in Oxnard where they had the heart specialist. And lucky for me, they had um, this person who was in the top 5% of the nation there on call, and he was able to put his team together. And no one thought I was going to make the surgery. I mean, and all of a sudden, you never think about, you know, here you are, in my case, coming into the program 16 years ago single, you know, not caring about myself, not, you know, knowing how to love myself anymore because what I looked on the outside and how I felt about myself on the inside. And I never thought in a million years that one day I would be married to this incredible person and have these beautiful children and have a career that's incredible. And that everything I would ever wish for, I would have, but I would lose. Now, this is a very selfish disease, and I'm speaking for myself, because when you take that extra bite, when you're sneaking that food, you're not just killing yourself, you're killing the people close to you. You never think about that until you got to the point where I was. Because to say goodbye to my wife, not knowing I would ever see her again, 
and leave her with the kids. I felt, you know, what an idiot I am. How selfish am I to do this, that I have everything I ever wanted, beautiful home, great career, children, wife, money, everything, and I blew it over an extra slice or an extra bite. Was it worth it? No. So before we went into surgery, the priest actually came. Even though I'm Jewish, you're not choosing one before you go to the gates, you know. You know um, he gave me last rites because I wasn't supposed to survive the surgery. I, giving last rites is very surreal, guys. It is the creepiest thing you'll ever think you'll hear. It's the weirdest experience of your life. And um, after he gave me last rites, the surgeon goes, come on, we got to get him, we got to go in. And I remember looking in my wife's eyes and saying goodbye to her. And she says, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. And I didn't think I would. I said, I love you, I'm sorry, goodbye. And then that's all I remember. And then I was on 24-hour watch. And then a w- So what happened, a week apart from each other, I had to get a series of three open-heart surgeries, one apart a week from each other. Now let me tell you what they do, and I'm going to get graphic because if anybody's feeling, hey, I'm you know, going to go flirt with food after this, this is what happens. <laughs> Um, they split you open. They open up your chest. Very painful. Of course, you're out. Um, they put you back together. They stitch you up. And then you wake up, and then they have to put all these tubes in between your ribs and stuff like that, and you're feeling everything. And then they go, okay, we're going to have to keep you a week, and we're going to have to do this again next week. So, I mean, at that point, I'm like, why even give me stitches? Give me Velcro, you know? It's like, wow, I was getting so many of these surgeries, I thought I'd give it like a subway card or something. And every time they just stamp my thing and I'll get a free sandwich or something. I don't know. But so many of those, and I, and I made it. it. It took one year of physical rehab just to learn how to stand up straight again. Because when they cut you and crack you so many times, you always just want to do that. Because it's hard. Trust me, it's hard to do this. You take it for granted. It's hard to get in and out of bed. It's hard to go to the bathroom. I mean, just to make it down my driveway and back up, that took everything out of me. That when I would come back and sit in the chair, I would pass out from exhaustion. Or I still, to this day, get these really horrible muscle spasms because my body's still healing itself 14 months later of, you know, the nerve endings reconnecting. And sometimes it's, you know, very painful, you know, and it'll last up to five minutes. So I have to take 18 medications a day just to stay alive. Just to stay alive. Blood thinners, everything you can imagine. And um, it's worth it to stay alive. Not for me, for my children, for my wife. Um, You know, our kids had no say in this. You know, we brought them in the world. And I guess what really kind of kicked my ass was, you know, thinking of one day somebody else walking my daughter down the aisle an uncle or a friend. And I didn't want that to happen. I wanted it to be me. And I did whatever I had to do. I, you know, and believe me, it was a lot. But it was worth it just to get those hugs and kisses tonight for my kids. It's worth everything. It's amazing how they... Children, it's, they're the worst roommates you'll ever have, but, man, you love them. You really do. So, uh, about... Well, they say I'm supposed to be around for some reason. So I'm taking everybody's word for that. Just to kind of pass on the message, whenever I speak, I always like to pass on, don't wait till Monday to start your program today. Because it's always been about me. Okay, um, I'll eat the way I want to eat this week, so Monday I'll start my program. And then I'll have an extra 
larger meal and I blew it, okay, I'm going to eat another week this way just to wait for the next following Monday. And that's been the routine of mine. Next Monday, next Monday, next Monday. So don't put off to Monday what you can do today because you never know what's going on inside of your body. And if it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. That's the truth. So here we are, uh, 14 years later, you know, and when well, 16 years later, I'm at gold weight. I survived that surgery. I have my own company I started with my wife. And um, we recently got awarded a small business of the year for the uh, District 38, which covers Los Angeles, Glendale, Santa Clarita, and Simi Valley. And they flew me up to Sacramento, and I got to have lunch with the governor, meet him, and uh, it was me and 25 other uh, business owners from each district. And um, all my dreams have come true, especially the part of getting a second chance to be uh, a better father, a better husband, a better friend, a better brother, better everything. I run my company in a 12-step way. I treat all my salespeople like... Uh, their first day in program, mm-hmm. you know. Whenever people start getting on my nerves, I do the serenity prayer in my head. Sometimes I might be mumbling my lips. I might look crazy to them. I don't know. But, I mean, I can do that serenity prayer in like a half a second just to breathe a little bit more, you know. Um, it, it's, it's an incredible ride, but everything I have today is a result of being in program. I don't think I would ever be the, the entrepreneur I am or the person I am if I didn't get that, have this opportunity to work on the inside. And that's what's really great about this program. It's not outside in, it's inside out. And the thing about these rooms, we can all smell another person's bullshit a mile away. <laughs> we hear it, you know. We know it. Everybody knows when they're being closed. You know, everybody knows a story when they hear one. Everybody knows the truth when they hear one. And if you don't think you're stuff stinks and it can't be smelled, it can be, because we too are those same people. You know, part of my abstinence is it's three meals a day and uh, no drama. <laughs> you know, that I'm working on, uh, but it's part of there. It's part of there. Talk to my sponsor, my sponsor people, sponsor people, and... Um, I, I think what it really helps me is I, I commit to a food plan because I could be eating healthy and binging on health and not do anything, but for me it's portions because I, I have an allergy, you know. I eat a lot of food. I break out in fat, you know. I mean, you don't get to be 400 pounds by luck, you know. That's something you have to really work at. And the weight coming off I, um, was a lot of work. Everything is a lot of work, but... To look back now, everything I have, I would do it again to be who I am today. That's that's the really neat thing. I like who I see when I look in the mirror. I don't abuse myself anymore when I look at myself in the mirror. You know, like, oh, you're you're super fat, you're ugly, no one's ever going to love you. I mean, I've learned to be my worst enemy in this program and my best friend in this program. I can give all this great advice to spawn to spawn my sponsees, but I can never listen to my own, and that's why I have a sponsor. Because in this program, you got to remember the person who's sponsoring you is in this program for a reason too. You know, no one really graduates. We're all just.
just kind of going for that next semester, you know, those college credits. And if we have to repeat a year, we repeat a year. You know, I always refer to these rooms as homeroom. Remember back in high school? You're in the homeroom, all your best friends are there. Then you go off to that class, that class, that class. Lunchtime, that class, that class, that class. Then you look, always look forward to coming back to homeroom. And these rooms, no matter where I go, any part of, of the world, when I go in these rooms, it always feels like home to me. Where you tell your story and you see a lot of this, people nodding. People get it. And you're not alone. And, and that's the really great thing I like about this is that there's nothing you know, ordinary about it or extraordinary about it. I'm not special. I share the disease everyone else has. And I've had times at the podium where I've cried. I've had times at the podium where I've, you know, been weird. And, uh, <laughs> but I've always can be myself. And if that's being a humorous person or a serious person, I could be whoever I want to be as long as I'm being me. And that's all I have to be in these rooms. It's just another compulsive overeater who's looking for another day of abstinence. So, of what time did you want me to go to? Go to um, 9.30? What? <laughs> These people on the podcast pause. Uh, so, 7 till 6.20. You can stop for questions whenever you want. Okay. You know, I, I don't want to binge on myself. I'm done. Um, <laughs> any questions about recipes or anything? <laughs> yes. What's your name? Hi, Tracy. What do I do each day? Okay. Um, Consciously, I'm aware that I'm always being watched by my higher power. You know, when you kind of live a life that no one's seeing what you're doing, you don't really care then. You can shoplift, you can eat this, you can eat that, whatever. But if I, I, I really consciously, I'm always being watched by my higher power. You know, I, I really kind of, I'm aware of that. Um, also, I'm really quick to um, be aware of other people's feelings other than my own. And if I said something, I'm super sensitive about what I might say to another person, I, I address it really quick. I don't let it stir. I, I don't like to wait in the, a day about it where it will bother my sleep or be in my subconscious. I try to nip it right there. That, does that answer your question? Okay. Any other Yes, and what's your name? Uh, Pam. Hi, Pam. Okay. Um, well, first of all, when you go out to lunch, you got to realize, you know, I, Oh, repeat the question, how do I handle food changes when I'm out in the business world type of thing? Okay. Um, I used, when I got, I remember when I was 18, my first job was uh, Marie Callender. So, um, and um, maybe that's where it started, you know. Um, but I've learned, being a waiter a long time ago when I was a kid, that those waiters and waitresses are there to make money. So I tip them really well tell them what I want, and they take care of me, and I say thank you with money to them. Um, I always, my, my, my program and disease is portable. You know, I can be in another state, and my disease will come with me. I can literally go into any restaurant and order what I want just by substituting this or that. It's like kind of when Harry met Sally. I'm Sally. I tell him this, but I want this on the side. I don't want that, no, 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 no. And then I just, you know, I just tip them. To me, I'd rather tip that extra money than to, you know, blow it you know, on that meal and lose whatever I have on the inside out. So my food plan is um, three meals a day, and I do a high-protein, low-carb. I've totally cut out bread. 
Um, I haven't, not that I have an alcohol problem or ever did, mine was food, but I haven't had soda or alcohol in over five, six years. I'm just pretty much a water person. I had to wean myself off, you know, so I went to Crystal Light, then water, but, you know, um, man, I remember that first week, no coffee or sodas, man, I was a real bitch, you know. It's like, hi, how are you? What does that mean? You know, and I just lose it because I was going through this detox. I can sweat stuff going on, or I couldn't go into a Starbucks for a long time. And like I can tell you, I could go to a movie now and be in a movie theater and I can hear the people eating popcorn. I can smell it. And man, it still gets me going. There's, you know, what it is to a drug addict smoking pot and smelling pot, it is to me about popcorn. But I can go into a theater, buy, you know, a bottle of water, and just have that, and that's what I do. I fill myself up with water, you know, whenever I'm, I have the urge to uh, eat something, and which is all the time. You know, just, you know, just because I'm at gold weight and I've been in this room for a long time doesn't mean I'm not going to be tempted again. But, you know, I'll have like a sugarless stick of gum. For me, it's kind of an oral sensation, you know, keeping the jaw busy and stuff like that. Does that answer your question? Okay. The lady in the back with a hat. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a, um, a psychological part, you know. Um, my wife is kind of pissed at me because I have more clothes than she does. <laughs> so when I stopped um, eating all this stuff, I became a total clothes whore. I mean, I love the shop. I still do for clothes. Is this being recorded? Okay. Um, I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my wife. Um, so I actually built myself a giant closet. <laughs> Um, but I'd rather spend money on clothes than on food places. And um, being a native of L.A., man, I can tell you the thing was the worst thing was growing up around the Fairfax area. You know, having you know canners right there, man. Just walking and you get like a thousand and one smells up your nose right then and there, and you want to eat everything. And I have eaten everything there. And the scary thing is that the waitresses back then are still there now. <laughs> they don't seem to go away. Those people, they're right there, the same people. And or like they or when I go into restaurants now and stuff like that, I, I people always remember to go. Oh, the usual. I go. Yeah, the usual. They know what I want. But your, to answer your your question, there is a lot of change that goes with that. Um, it's a, there's a big psychological part of getting used to who you look like. I mean, because it, it's weird to me. Still, I I feel like I have that triple neck I had. You know, sometimes I still feel like my my collar is a 1920 inch and I remember a lot of times when I go to parties and stuff like that people always say hey look it's that guy from Seinfeld referring to me as Newman because I look just like him at that weight and um, it's it's kind of weird now if, if I'm out with a friend or somebody and I'm like because my friend mine, Michael, you know, he's a good-looking guy, and I'm going, hey, I think she's checking you out. And he goes, no, I think she's checking you out. I go, no, no, she's checking you out. And it was, it was this, it's this, it's kind of funny. Um, people treat you different how you look now versus how you look then, but that's not true. I'm different. You know, I'm not the bitter, angry person I was when I was 400 pounds. Now there are people out there who are 400 pounds and are happy and are no problem. They, want, they don't want to fix themselves. And that's great. But this is not um, that room for them then. 
I, I love it when our um, founder, Roseanne, once told me many years ago, she goes, what kind of frustrated her, she goes, the spiritual part of this program is very important, but I did not do this for a spiritual thing. That's what temples and churches are for. This is a place for people to get their disease under wraps. This is not a fat club. And when she said that, it was really powerful to me. And I got that, you know. And this is, you know, meaning not to, you know, be here and just say I got spiritual and not to work anything else. I got that. I really I got that. You know, but I, when you're in these rooms, if you are wherever you are in your life, that's where you need to be until you are ready to take that first step. Does that answer your question? Did I kind of go all over the place with that? Not okay, did I binge on myself? Yeah. Okay. Do we have any other questions? Thank you. Yes. You know, i got to tell you, it took three open hearts to kind of realize that no one's your higher power, but the only higher power that really is there. You know, um, I, can, I, I kind of painted a pretty picture of what I went through recently, and no one is worth going through that again. No one is worth losing my family over. And uh, i got to tell you, going through everything I had to go through just to survive this physically, emotionally, spiritually, no person out there is worth it ever an extra bite. And I had to make my children my higher power to get me through this. You know, find something greater than yourself. My kids are greater than me. My love for them are incredible. You know, I love being a dad. I love being their dad. They're, they're, they're the, the most incredible, beautiful children in the world. And if you guys want to see pictures, I got pictures. <laughs> we have Gregory, who's seven. He's a little angel. I mean, oh, my God. He's, and then we have a little girl, Ashley, who's four, and she's the opposite of Gregory. <laughs> and girls are a lot harder than boys. Let me just put that on record. Boys are easier. <laughs> Maybe it's also because she's a little girl and she's got me wrapped around her finger and whatever. Like Greg, when he's 17, you'll get a, like a skateboard, she'll get a Mercedes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm powerless over my daughter. Yes? Um, I heard you say it's your abstinence, three meals a day, and two snacks. No snacks. No snacks. No, but you abstain from like popcorn. Oh, yeah. And so what other things do you abstain from? Okay, so I, um, what is my abstinence again and what am I abstaining from? Okay, so three meals a day, and no snacks, no bread, no popcorn, no rice, no potatoes. I have to be on a, um, a very strict food plan uh, because of my heart problem. And um, I could tell you this, if I would ever gain this weight back, I won't get another chance again. Now, the, the truth of, of the matter of fact is this. No one knows how I got by, by the skin of my teeth. Um, all the doctors are calling me the miracle patient. I have definitely shortened my life. By how many years, I don't know. But I definitely did shorten my life. So if I'm around another five years, I'll be lucky. Can I ask you something else? What is your relationship to sugar? Oh, uh, we're, we're mortal enemies. <laughs> um, I really kind of focus on a high-protein, low-carb type of thing. I really do. Yes? Ready, um, yes, uh, we're entirely ready to have God remove all our defects of character. Oh, God. Like right now. <laughs> Do it right now. You, you know what? We all have defects, and I think it's not to remove them, but to live with them. That's my opinion. You know, I mean, I will always 
judge people. I will always label people. I will always do that stuff because I'm not perfect. You know, the only thing that's perfect right now is my food plan. You know, but even that, there's no guarantee after this meeting or tomorrow. That's why it's a, a step at a time program. That's what I love about it. It's one step at a time, one step at a day. And then humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Yeah, I mean, I think me being conscious of that right then and there is working. You know, if I, if I acted a certain way to a person, I'd make an amends right right away, and I'd actually use that term, look, i got to make an amends to you. And they're like, what the hell does that mean? Normal people don't say the word amends. I'd be like, hey, listen, I'm sorry. That's what normal people say. You know, we don't actually come out and say the word amends, you know. But I, I think it's trying to be um, my own editor to edit myself because I will say something in my head and not go through all of that conversation out loud. Does that make sense? Does that help? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're like, no, I don't think so. You know, I think in this program, we learn to become our own bullshit detector. Yeah, I do. I, I really do. Um, I remember I got a great advice from my sponsor saying, um, before you ever think you have to answer fast, take a deep breath. And just do that, you know. Just to, to realize I'm sharing this planet with some other people. It's not Ben's planet, you know. Uh, it's, 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 it's just a, a process. That's all it is. No one's ever perfected it, but, you know, I have, I've never perfected it. I just strive to try to be this type of person, and if I can do it, great. If I can't, I'm trying. Um, I, I'm still accepting who I am on the outside. Oh, okay, how am I acting as... Sorry. Okay. <laughs> now I'm going to leave this room, and when people ask me questions, I'm going to repeat it back to them. <laughs> yeah, ni- nice guy. I think he's bipolar. <laughs> am I bipolar? Is that what you're saying? Um, to, answer, <laughs> to answer your question... Acting as a, you know, what kind of challenge is that and, and how, how am I doing with that? Um, I'm acting as if on a, on a daily basis. You know, I, I just don't have that monitor on myself. You know, I don't trust myself. But today I'm going to act as if I'm going to do this. Today I'm going to act as if I'm going to act like this to, as a father or as a husband or as a friend. And i got to tell you, one of the best things about this program was not just cutting out certain things in my disease, but cutting out certain people in my life who are also very toxic, just as much as the food. And, you know, I remember when I was doing that, even though I cared about these people a lot, and they've been in my life so many years, I realized they weren't healthy for me because i kind of grown a certain way and they haven't. And I had, I had to work with my sponsor about what's healthy and what's unhealthy, just like, you know, our disease. Does that help? Did that help? Okay. Um, yes? Hi, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Could you share more about your definition of your higher power and how that evolved? Okay, yeah, I think we all had the same thing. My sponsor told me to write a wanted list, you know, of what I'm looking for in a higher power. And I remember the first thing was um, how to have a sense of humor, um, how to put the cell phone on mute, um, how to... Um, can you imagine how a higher power has a cell phone? No, I'll be right with you. Sorry. Uh-huh. Oh, God, really <laughs> um, 
Oh, when I did my, my, my wanted list, I remember it had a sense of humor, had to be forgiving and loving. And that was the three main things right there. And it was very hard to accept a higher power in this room, but it kept acting as if, acting as if, acting as if. And um, one day it just happened. Some people get it right away. Some people come in this room with a higher power. Some people took about four to six months like me. Any other questions? Thank you for all of her letting me be of service. It was fun.